Hello and welcome to the 111th FIS Phrasing Commodity Podcast on Wednesday, 30th November. I'm Mopani, you can call me Mo, and I'm your host today. Here to bring you guests who update you on the commodity complex. You can also stay up to date with our daily commentary and weekly analysis on everything going on by signing up for our app FIS Live. And you can also follow our Twitter page at Freight Investor or find us on LinkedIn. A lot is happening this week with EU sanctions on Russia due to take effect on Monday, 5th December. Uh, a G7 meeting with a possible price cap on Russian oil. An OPEC Plus meeting set to take place on the 4th of December, which is likely to react with potential cuts to the oil production, all on top of the rare protests we've seen in China against zero COVID rules. We're going to have some conversations about the freight and FFA market, crude oil and products market, and a look at the ferrous commodity complex to get a view of what's been happening, what could happen, and whether the data says anything different. So without further ado, let's get this show on the road. To start off with, we've got our head of business development, Kerry, to give us his view and have a conversation on freight and FFAs. How are you doing? Yeah, really good, Mo. Thanks a lot. How are you doing? I'm great. I'm great. Um, yeah, I mean, it's been an interesting week. In the early part of last week, the Cape stayed pretty range-bound with robust iron ore volumes exported from Australia, um, keeping that market solid. We saw the market actually turn around and start to push up as several positive factors began to surface, including bad weather conditions in North China that increased port congestion and wait times, and the key C5 iron ore route uh, West Australia to China, that is, was was initially being fixed $7.50, $7.65 early last week for 6 to 9 December loading dates before owners began to show resistance, lifting their offers, and rates indeed picked up. We saw $8.20 fixed for 9th, 10th December, later up to $8.75. And early this week, C5 was heard bid into the $9 actually. More coal from Australia was also shipped by Cape vessels, with total weekly volume increasing by about 16%, or 1.2 million tons, that's compared to the previous week. And this has definitely helped support that market, too. Stronger fixtures for prompt loading dates were seen in the Atlantic as well, especially on the transatlantic routes. In the north, we saw trips from Seven Islands to Rotterdam heard at, uh, well, $9.70 was heard fixed, and uh, $25 fixed to Qingdao from Seven Islands uh, for mid-deck loading dates. Out of Brazil, the C3 route, that's Tuberau to Qingdao, was heard $17.65 for 2026 deck loading dates. Unfortunately, sentiment on physical got a bit shakier yesterday. The 5TC spot index and indeed the paper as well both corrected down. The paper had followed the physical market up late last week. We saw front month 5TC paper moving up from just over 9,000 to a high of 12,400 on Tuesday before shutting nearly $1,000, trading 11,475 value today on FIS Live. That Q1 contract still hovering around $6,500 value now, um, seemingly frozen there for quite a while. Mm. And, well, what I would like to know, uh, of course, you know what's going on with. China. Yeah. Um, how has the market reacted to the unrest that's emerged there, you know? That's a really good question, Mo. Um, you know, it, it's interesting because in the very initial stages late last week and over the weekend of, of reporting on some of the unrest happening, I think the market 
was taking a little bit of a positive view almost of this um, in the sense that I think people were assuming it might force the Chinese government to speed up the lifting of lockdown measures. That does not seem to have happened. And indeed, as the unrest has continued, I think at least on the freight, people have started to get a little shakier on sentiment. So what maybe on Monday people were saying, oh, maybe it'll force the Chinese government to to lift these restrictions and the market will boom. And what's interesting to look at is the iron ore, for example, has continued to seemingly believe that, still moving up a little bit. But on the freight, we saw sentiment get all of a sudden shakier. I don't think people are necessarily looking at this as a as a positive for the market. Mm, and you also uh, mentioned core shipments. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, you said I know, but is the the core shipments have increased? With that, is that a trend that's sustainable? What's well, the, happening? The coal shipments have increased on the Cape size, uh, basically because of where their rates are. Right. So ah. if we're looking at the the Cape you know, 5 TC average is sitting around the same level as the Panamax's TC average. So when you have that option, it makes sense to uh, to increase the, the cargo size and ship on capes. I do think we could see that a little bit more if the capes stay fairly range-bound here and the Panamaxes stay well-supported. There's a limit to how far, though, that... Uh, shifting to capes can occur. You know, a lot of ports in Indonesia, for example, um, are draft limited, so it's unclear how much more coal out of, you know, exporting from Indonesia could be shipped on capes. And it's also unclear, you know, how much more uh, room there is to shift stem sizes out of Australia. So I would expect that trend to continue, but probably not too much more room to shift to cape. But let's wait and see, because that's definitely helping support that market. But you mentioned the Panamaxes, and I mean... For sure, that's an interesting market as well. A two-tier market emerged uh, for the Panamaxes last week as the Atlantic firmed up, but downward pressure appeared on that Pacific side. The main positive note was the North Atlantic, where sentiment remained buoyant thanks to very healthy levels of grains and mineral activities. Uh, We saw better fixture rates reported from U.S. Gulf, with redelivery Far East fixed from about $20,500 to $22,500 as uh, the week went on last week. In the south, trip by East Coast South America, free delivery Sing Japan range was heard at $16,000. In contrast, Asian routes fell pretty continuously last week and continue to look fairly weak, frankly. Although coal shipments from Australia to India showed a substantial increase, offers did continue to head lower, moving from twelve two fifty down to $10,000 as the week progressed. At the same time, no-pack rounds were fixed from the mid-11,000s down to mid-10,000s as the week progressed. As a result, some owners took the discounted rates to cover shorter trips for the time being uh, and wait for a a recovery, hope hope for a recovery. The paper on the Panamax is following a similar pattern to the big ships last week, with the front month being lifted slightly in the second half of the week, has remained a bit better supported than the capes. The sentiment is less shakier, um, you know, uh, less shaky, I should say, uh, as of today, with uh, December 4 TC paper trading 12800 this morning. And the Panamax Q1 also a bit better supported than the big ships, uh, 11275 value this morning on FIS Live. I see. And, and of course, I know there's a lot happening in China, but of course, we also have on uh, the oil side with the G7 coming up yeah. and the price cap, sanctions and OPEC meeting. Does this have any influence, you feel? Uh, it always has an influence. But if you're asking me where I think the oil market's <laughs> going to go, I'll leave somebody else to comment on that. But uh, 
Um, but yeah, let's see what happens because because mm. uh, I think there's so many moving parts to that right now. Thanks, Kerry. Appreciate your comments again. Thanks a lot, Mo. Cheers. Next up, we have Archie Smith, our fuel oil broker, here to cover oil in general, oil products. How are you doing, Archie? I'm very good. Yourself? I'm great. Thank you for being here. Appreciate it. And uh, understand you. We we just want to hear what's happening in the market, whether it's price changes, volumes, trends, whatever you see. Uh, hit hit us with it. Yeah. Well, first of all, I'm excited for my first podcast. And uh, yeah, so I mean, the crude oil markets overall at the minute is a little bit all over the place. It's definitely uh, rife with uncertainty. Obviously, you've got OPEC meeting coming up next week, 4th of December. Uh, I think the expectation there is that they will make further cuts to production um, to try and put a floor on the crude, which has been very bearish over the past month, really. Um, I think. We've had three consecutive weeks where crude has been lower on the week each time. Um, and for a bit of perspective, uh, the beginning of the month, uh, I think around 7th and Nov, um, was our intramonth high at just under $100 per barrel um, for the uh, for the Jan-delivered uh, Brent crude futures. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's now around $83. Um, so over three weeks, you know, that's yeah. dropped significantly. Mm-hmm. Um and that's mainly down to uh, worries in, in China. Obviously, there's strict lockdowns over there. And now there's uh, civil unrest, all of which is, um, is, is impacting the demand and the demand outlook. Everyone's worried about that. China's the world's biggest crude importer. Mm. Um, so, you know, if their kind of manufacturing production and growth levels are down, then crude falls with it. Um, so yeah, like I said, the expectation there will be that they will, um, decrease production for the crude, which is uh, again, a couple of months ago, they did that by 2 million barrels a day. Um, but OPEC seem to think that they can manipulate the, the, uh, oil futures markets, which they can to an extent, but you know, when they cut production last by 2 million barrels a few months ago, I think it was a day where crude spiked and then market realigned and it was like nothing happened um whether that will happen again with this new expected cut um time will tell and then literally the day after that 5th of december is when the eu embargo is meant to come in against uh russian seaborne crude um so that will be when officially no none of the g7 or eu countries can take in uh russian urals and i mean uh, as I think of that, just uh, it's my job uh, as a host to just ask the questions and assume that some of our listeners don't actually know what it could mean. From a freight perspective or fuel oil perspective, does that have any impact, you think, to what we're seeing right now, whether it's in Singapore or uh, what are you seeing uh, with the cracks or the differences? Is it- I mean, yeah, it, it it will definitely have an impact. I mean, already um, China and India, who have become um, the biggest takers of Russian oil and products, so fuel oil, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, mm. they're already starting to cut back on their um, December delivery purchases, or they have been this month and last month. They've been cutting back on those December delivery purchases because they're worried about the EU embargo and how it's going to affect them. Um, they're also worried about the uncertainty on the price cap. That's something else that's meant to come in on the 5th of December. 
Um, but, you know, in classic EU style, that's still undecided. Mm. Um, there's been kind of... Uh, hearsay that it's supposed to be between the 60 to 70 dollar a barrel level on mm. russian oil however um market price for russian oil at the minute crude oil is it's around i think last week it was about 52 dollars per barrel so if they're setting a price cap that's too f- f- um too far above the market level it, it's almost useless mm. um because obviously the, the aim of this price cap is to dent putin's war treasury um, but if his oil is already trading below the price cap level, it's, there's no point of having the price cap. Obviously, the price can go up, and in which case it will be roofed at that price. Um, but as it stands, th- you know that that will be a f- kind of futile effort at, at hurting his war chest. Mm. Is is there a possibility that it could just be a quick spike for the day and uh, continue as normal, just like we've seen? I, I think there is. I think there is a, a there is a definite possibility of that you know we've seen that's the thing with the oil markets they're very sensitive to to news it's it's almost like uh, someone with some amount of influence can tweet something out and instantly the prices will, will change off of that off of that headline or you know whatever it may be another question what's the lower crew doing to the fuel oil markets so uh, with regards to the flat price the uh, the flat price is 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 coming off uh, for the, both the euro and the sin grades in the uh, in the low sulfur and the high sulfur, um, but quite unusually the the cracks are uh, normally with the lower crude the cracks strengthen, but uh, quite unusually uh, all the cracks actually are are, are at very very weak levels uh, you know historically weak levels I mean the the low sulfur euro crack is actually in in the negative realm. Uh, that's uh, sitting around minus three dollars thirty at the minute, and the the high sulfur crack um, for the euro is, is well below the negative thirty mark, uh, both you know historic lows and which is is unusual. Um, I think the reason that we put down for this happening um, is we think it's definitely more to do with the physical side of things. Um, it's uh, low refinery demand would be one thing to look at and um, where gas oil ha- has come off quite a lot recently that's a lot cheaper uh, so we think in terms of utility uh, facilities are opting for the gas oil um, opposed to the fuel oil products and so um, if our our viewers and listeners want to hear more of your commentary I saw you write some of our reports where can they find you yeah so I do I do two reports a day and then uh, every Tuesday I do the weekly report as well. Um, so if any of the viewers and listeners would like to be added to that um, uh, morning and evening report, then uh, just get in touch with FIS via the you know the comms department or directly the fuel law desk and we'll uh, make sure you guys get added to that um, uh, via your email and you'll get that every morning, every evening. And that just comes with... Um, current prices at the time of me sending the report, uh, spreads... I, and then I've, I've got two commentary boxes, uh, one where I talk about general oil and energy markets, and then one where I go more specific into the fuel oil product. Fantastic, Archie. Thank you so much. Thank it's been know. a pleasure. Thank you very much. We finish off with Pei Hao, macro and ferrous analyst in FIS based in Shanghai, here to talk more about the ferrous markets. How could you tell us what's happened in the markets lately, 
why it happened, and any other thoughts you may have on China's situation and its impact on the commodity complex. Hello, everyone. This is Hao Pei from FIS. I don't know. Past week improved to three dollars or three percent, and of course, it's growing much more on Tuesday. And we saw the derivatives volume generally unchanged uh, to the last week. And uh, however, physical volume saw improving on the volume perspective from late last week to early this week. The most uh, positive reason for the Ferris complex growth was uh, contributed by uh, Chinese issued 16 measures in the housing area to help stimulate the market. And commercial banks been giving credit lines to house developers, while developers giving more uh, help to uh, guarantee the delivery of houses in the last two months of 2022. While uh, the market understand it as an avoid of economy recession or the hard landing of house market. Well, on the steel side, North Europe saw a slight decrease on steel on flat steels or plate market while south europe been thinking to adjust the price up to 650 euros although the current price on december was only uh, 580 euros the market in europe generally um think the demand market is growing up on uh, 2023 and the early half of 2023. Well, and the coking coal market is generally consolidated in 245 to 247 area, majorly traded PMV. Um, I think that's where market look at currently. And Russian oil has take marginally smaller impact uh, the Russian oil ban, although European is proposing the ninth uh, ban uh, on the uh, Russian exports, but the margin effect, I think it's getting smaller. That's why LNG is also falling as well. Uh, but it's hard to say whether the energy crisis still lasts during this winter. And I think the COVID-19 policies in China were one of the uh, concerns global as well but I think the marginal effect on the control policy is eased up um, the government can't guarantee each measures in each city or every period of time is improving but in general the general outlook is getting better I think that's how capital market feels on the on on the on the matter of and the condition of it well, um, the other is, the fact is, Chinese industrial profit um, added value over the first 10 months is actually um, down 3% compared to last year. Well, <clears throat> if we uh, split it into the ferrous or related metallurgical industries, the profit margin dropped 92%. So I think housing and infrastructure built will be in uh, what will be a very will be an emphasis for a longer cycle of time for at least the next five years. That's it for the week, folks. If you want to stay up to date with everything happening in the freight and commodity space, 
Remember to sign up for our app FIS Live or follow us on Twitter at Freight Investor or you can also find us on LinkedIn. And if you'd like to give us any feedback or suggestions, email us at news at freightinvestor.com. Enjoy the rest of the week and see you next time.